0: All right, Devin, why do you want to do a podcast?
1: On this episode, we're taking a behind the scenes look at this podcast. This is Don't Say Content, created in partnership with Share Your Genius. I'm Katie, your producer, and these are your hosts, Devin Bramhall.
0: I didn't have a business case. I didn't even have a really good reason.
1: And Margaret Kelsey.
0: If you feel too good taking the risk, you probably should have taken it before. All right, Devin, why do you want to do a podcast anyways? I just wanted to hang out with you more. (laughs) Likewise.
2: (laughs) Okay. So the story is we both left our jobs around the same time Mm -hmm. without telling each other first. Yes. I think the cool thing was like I had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to start a podcast with you. Like I didn't have a business case. I didn't even have a really good reason. I just love talking to you like deeply about stuff. And the range of things I like to talk to you about. Obviously, our relationship began centered around marketing.
1: Yeah. And so
2: I love those conversations. And then that sort of leads into other deeper conversations about leadership, our lives, et cetera, et cetera. I just was like, I want to do a podcast with Margaret.
0: And then I weirdly had the same idea where we were talking on the phone and I was like, what am I going to be doing? outside of just like client work, what am I going to do that like fills my soul up? That makes me happy. That is just a sandbox playground. And I was like, I don't want a sandbox playground by myself, you know? And I was like, who could I hang out with and make do this with me? (laughs) And it was on that call where I was like, I was like thinking about you and I was like, oh, it'd be great to catch up. And then you were on that call and you told me that you left too. And I was like, Let's go. And I I don't even know who it was, which one of us pitched the other one first, but it's so funny that it like spontaneously arose in our brains at the same time, especially because I was not, I I have to say, was not a podcast listener now because now I have a couple podcasts that I actually listen to. My friend JB's. So good. So good. But at the time, I didn't listen to any podcasts. And so the act of even asking you to do a podcast with me is kind of insane. (laughs) Do you want to establish this format that I actually don't care enough about to listen to? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I obviously care a lot about podcasts. I listen to them. There's some enthusiasts who listen to more than I do, but I listen to podcasts every single day. I listen to lots of different kinds and it's something, it's a format I really love, especially now that there's a visual aspect of it. Mm-hmm as well. And it's not about me loving seeing my own face. I just feel like there's more you can do when there's a video component than just your voice. So yeah, we started a podcast and I think the thing that we were, tell me if this is true for you, but something I was feeling was, I just want to do what I want to do without thinking about other people and what they want or what they think I should do. It was like a moment of freedom where I was like, I just want to spread my wings and do what I want. Yeah. I meaning we, obviously, because we were on the same page already.
0: I imagine that there's burnout that comes with marketers because you're always thinking about the other thing. What does the audience need? What does my company need? Company needs leads. Audience needs something specific to them. You're just like give, give, giving to everyone. And I think that, yeah, getting to the point where you're just like, it was like the well it the runneth dry, well dry. <laughs> the well runs dry, you still have this feeling that you want to create and be creative, but you don't want to do it for anyone else. You don't Definitely. want it to feel like you have success metrics that are external. And I think it helps too that like you're in my business does not need a B2B sized funnel. We don't need like yeah. marketing programs that create like that create like that volume of a lead source, and so it yeah. and established ourselves and to just be able to take the time to do it and to do it for us rather than to feel like it needed to be something. Yes, we're like
2: those outdoorsy people who make those YouTube videos that are for you know like five people in the world. <laughs> like, we sat down and we were thinking about the topics that we were excited about, sort of yeah. categories. And that led into who we would talk to. And we realized that...
0: Oh my God, we like, we're like, I don't know. Is it this person? Is it this person? Do we do a group of people? Do we do one person? Yeah.
2: I think you get exhausted. To your point a second ago, I'm so sick of the audience.
0: Yeah. I I'm like... I don't care about you. Don't say it. They're listening to us.
2: I know. (laughs) I'm like, I just don't care. I care individually. There's lots of people I help out for free literally all the time, like every single week. The amount of myself I'm giving away for free is astronomical. And I love that. This was true on the virtual summit I was on yesterday. Everybody was saying logical things to me that are perfect and make sense. They were talking about... Marketing ops and frameworks and these things, the SEO, these things that are absolutely necessary to execute a marketing program. Yeah. And all I could think of is like, I don't care. And I think this happens to people where you do something for long enough that it's not satisfying anymore. And so you need to be, you need to be talking about, like, you want to talk about different things that don't necessarily lead to like an outcome immediately. And I think that's where you and I find a lot of joy here is we're not trying to like, we're not really trying to help anyone.
0: Yeah.
2: We're not trying to solve anything. We just want to talk about things. And through talking about it for us, that gets our wheels turning into something more tangible, but in an organic way.
0: It's funny that we knew that and that's the reason we wanted to start it. And then when I came down to visit you in New York for a work trip, because when you work for yourself, anything you want to do is a work trip. Yes. <laughs> like I have to go to New York for a work trip <laughs> because it's very important work. We were sitting in a, I don't know, hotel co-working space. Kind of, It was the public of hotel. Both. They have an amazing
2: yeah. co-working experience. I love so it. I've been back there since
0: you came. So great, loved it. And then we were sitting there talking through it. And the first thing we did was pull up and okay, this is the framework of launching a content program. Who is our target audience? What is our niche? What is our value proposition? What is our like? We literally knew that we wanted to do this for fun. And that was like the reason that you and I were coming together to do it. And then the first thing we did was like, let's insert a whatchamacallit into a Google Doc table so we can like target audience this blah 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 this like what in the world like just and then so we used almost none of it yeah oh I mean there's so many google docs that we started that we just like never went back to and that's the funny thing don't say
2: that- we you know it was you. me
0: yeah, yeah. that good. I'm guilty of that they're very well organized if abandoned <laughs> <laughs> that's correct
2: So here we are at the public hotel and we're like, actually, we just want to make a podcast for us. I feel like that was a point when ideas just started flowing out. And also I learned that you're really good at science.
0: I'm like the ringer on the um, trivia team. Bring me in and I'll I'll have like science and then like weird history answers for like an evening trivia. Not good at sports. I need like a sports counterpart, but yeah.
2: I don't have that. A little I pop try culture. I tried to do sports. Like a little pop
0: culture. Yeah. But no, so I need a sports counterpart to really yeah. be an excellent team.
2: And then what? So then the thing, so we have this idea and we put it together. And then you came up with the, I remember on being on a brainstorm with Rachel and Katie. Yep. Our producers. Yes. Sherry And we love them. And we were talking about the name. And I said something that had nothing to do with what the title ended up being. When
0: I said something like we were trying to, we were riffing on like content names. Like we wanted to, like, we're going down this rabbit hole, of calling it something with content in it. Yeah. And I was like, God, just don't even say, like, don't say content. And I was like, oh, actually. A good I one.
2: screamed. I was like that. I was like, that's, we didn't put it through any strategic. We were oh like, that's what it's called.
0: But you don't you, need to. I'm about to pull a Devin and go down like a anger rabbit hole. You don't need to strategically name things. We did all of this work at AppCues where we would do all this audience testing about how they were describing AppCues. Right. And what it always came back to was it was whatever was on our homepage. That's the words that they used. Like you have more power to name things and just call it that repeatedly. And then everyone just calls it that. Like naming is something that people get so bajiggity over and it, it doesn't matter name it something, call it it consistently. And that's the name. That's the name.
2: Animals was called animals. It makes no actual sense. And everyone remembered it. Every single human
0: being who is named on earth is just like the parents came up with that name or your friends came up with the nickname and they just called you that repeatedly enough to the point where that's your name. Like it's just like naming is about repetition. It's not about creativity or like strategy. Hard agree. Was that an acceptable Devin rant? Was that pretty good?
2: It was it was good. It was good. So what was really fun, and I think this was built in from the beginning. This goes into the idea of of like earned approach. And so when we were on this virtual summit yesterday, we were talking about you have to know the wheel before you can break it. I think everything about this podcast was us just, we knew the wheel inside and out. We were going to break it into whatever, it wasn't even a wheel at the end. We were just like, this is what we want it to be. So even our go-to-market, one of the things that we agreed on was that our networks are so strong that we were not going to have to take a traditional approach to promotion because I would say for me, it's not that my audience is so big, it's that they're so devoted. They care about me because I care about them. And it's a deep, they're deeper relationships than broad. And so I knew there's people I could quite literally reach out to and say, will you share this? And same with you, I think. Yeah. And so then it was like, go to market became, this was actually funny. So we had these, like, again, we planned it all out and we did one thing, (laughs) but the one thing was kind of my favorite, which was we were talking about sending a, announcement, email to our like friends,
0: to our networks. And I misheard you, right? I misheard that you said an invitation. No, I said, wouldn't it be funny
2: if we invited people to our podcast? But I was thinking of it more like an RSVP event. Like, hey, will you come to my podcast? And you said, oh my gosh, we can send them a paperless post. Paperless
0: post which is a valentine it. yep because <laughs> we ended up it wasn't on which purpose. i didn't realize like the connotation of us sending valentines to everyone everyone
2: no i told you Neil O'Grady reached out to me on linkedin and he took a screenshot of me he goes this was interesting <laughs> we should describe it so we ended up launching on february 14th and we sent this paperless post out that was like a heart And then when you open it, like all these hearts flow out. And it's just like, don't say content. Listen to our podcast
0: on the 14th. It's like, psych, we don't actually love you. We want you to listen to our podcast. Little bait and switch there. (laughs) Will you be our Valentine? Just kidding. (laughs) Listen to our podcast.
2: Well, it's ridiculous because I sent it to people,
0: like professional content. That's what I'm saying. It was like some some coworkers that I, former coworkers that I probably shouldn't have sent. Yeah. Too. I was like, this is fine. This
2: is fine. It's fine.
0: But that was cool.
2: So we were sharing these clips and I remember there were a few moments, like when Todd Stewart messaged and he said I have no idea what this is but I can't wait (laughs) which you could
0: take as we should have done a better job describing what it is or you got to build the curiosity you know yeah maybe building curiosity as a strategy yeah actually I did get that feedback
2: one of my a woman that I worked with at animals I was catching up with her
0: recently and she was like I gotta tell
2: you Devin I didn't really know what this was in the beginning and I was like that's fine We didn't either. We still don't, right? I mean, I think that's the thing is like, it's going to take us a while to figure it out. We're just choosing to build in public in our own way. And -hmm. I think that's been really fun for me is, and I remember in a classic Devin moment of trying to
0: control everything.
2: Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. be, sorry, be perfect. Oh, be perfect. Yeah. The second we launched, I remember messaging Jay on, in our Slack group. And I was like, how much feedback should I be getting or should I be requesting? How often should I be requesting it? What is your process? And he was like, Devin, stop. Yeah. For the love of God, just
0: create. I know it's so good. It's so good because I feel like we have to get that knocked out of us Mm -hmm. because of that repetition of what does the business need? What is my audience need? What is the business? Like, am I in service enough? Am I in service enough? Is the business getting what I need? Is the audience getting what I need? Am I like the proper inter- intermediary to provide value to these two separate groups and understand where that that point is? And it's yeah. so nice to just not. I think that like when you can create for a smaller audience, like this goes back to like the niching down thing, right? I hate to bring this back to like marketing advice, but like, like copywriting, right? If you write copy to one person, if you write an email, if you write a blog post, if you write a whatever, and you're trying to write it to one person, it's going to resonate more than if you try to write it to the masses. And so I do think that there's something here, even if working at a company, and you're trying to still be in service to the company and the audience, it might be a useful exercise for you to break with those thoughts and try to build for one person rather one than person being yourself. Yeah,
2: maybe there's two people then. Yeah. And this is something I talk to CEOs about: is they're always thinking about the objectives of the business. And this was a mistake that I made that my coach really tried to get me to see and I didn't see until the end is you have to start with what you want. Yeah. Start with what do you, like, what would you like? Where do you want to go? Mm. Then, especially, this is especially true for CEOs, craft progress based on that. Yeah. Then when you get into the, like, depths of actually, you know, creating and doing things, I do believe in that audience of one kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah at least as it relates to content, I don't know. I'm not a product designer. So like, I can't speak to that. But oh just yeah. I got to think standpoint. about edge cases and yeah. But yeah. from a content perspective, product people don't take our advice. And then the, actually we should talk about that a little bit. Cause when we did the true answer, we came to around the audience was we only want to talk to like people who are in director VP and above and C-suite. Cause the podcast that, I was familiar with and I had listened to. Or even when you, I was doing a scan, hmm. they had two th- – almost to a podcast, they were the same. Every single one of them had a guest and every single one of them was going really deeply into tactics mm-hmm. and not idea tactics, not – not anything amorphous. It's like very tangible. yeah. And there's a ton of value in that. Yeah, I course. listened to those podcasts coming up, right? Yeah. But we
0: just, there was nothing for us. I would have had to do the podcast with my head on the desk if you told me that that was the way that we were going to do a podcast. Like I think also you and I had no desire to live there. Again, there's tons of really smart people
2: who yeah. can speak to tactics.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's so many of them. There's, Millions. Yep. And that's, we need that still. We yeah. need those people to exist forever. And we probably need more of them than we need you and me. Like if there yeah. was a bunch of you and me, is there be a problem? <laughs> Having a bunch of people focus on tactics is actually wonderful and great. Yeah. So we just don't care about that. And there's people better at it than us. There were two things about the audience that were sort of counter to counter. Um, Intuitive. Thank you. One, we weren't super concerned in the beginning with volume of the listenership Mm -hmm. because we knew that because we were talking to marketing leaders, there were automatically going to be fewer of them. And that was great for us. We don't want the masses. Okay. So we're like, okay, we know there isn't a ton of volume in this cohort anyway. Great. That's awesome. The second thing was the other success
0: metric mm-hmm. was more around who we got the feedback from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And not even volume of feedback, just like person giving feedback.
2: Right. And if the people giving feedback were the folks at similar career stages as us, right? They're leaders in marketing. They've been working, they've led teams, they've directed departments, et cetera. If they're reaching out to us and it sparks yeah. discussion, curiosity, et cetera that was a big success metric for us and that's what happened it's like people who were in our at our level or whatever in that the same cohort as us were excited about it they liked
0: it and the people who weren't didn't say anything at all yeah Devin you know it's funny it's the people that you email or text and you're so excited that they respond to you it's like those were the people reaching out and you're like yes made them yeah. love me
2: I couldn't believe that people were listening. Oh, and this was the other thing, I think, that with our producers, even though volume of listens didn't matter to us, it wasn't our first focus. What was interesting and a prediction we made correctly, which is that depth of our audience, of our communities, positively impact how many people did listen Mm -hmm. to the point where we saw it like 5x in two days. And that's just loyalty right there. Yeah, it's loyalty. And it could have been more if we'd even tried harder. But we were like, "Eh, fuck it. Okay, so (laughs) it's really easy to sound super confident after the fact.
0: We're just going to play in our sandbox. We don't need this to be for anyone. It doesn't matter if anyone listens to it. We're just going to put ourselves out in the world. Que sera, sera. Is that how it, is that how it felt? At one point, when we were far away from launching, absolutely. <laughs> when we were having our espresso martinis, we were like, "Yeah, doesn't matter. We'll just I'm do it afraid. regardless." <laughs> yes, share your and genius the- won't matter if this is <laughs> if this goes anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. They're fine with it. It's like, <laughs> oh god,
2: but that is that's where the weight comes on you because you feel responsible to your partners to be successful for them because they made a bet on you I think it's hard to hear your voice again not
0: the actual sound of it but I just but also for me the actual sound of it like that's what I sound like (laughs) you listen to it I'm like I say like a lot and I kind of go valley girl sometimes yeah for not
2: for you but I have my
0: I have my like vocal fry that comes in every once in a while. I'm like, oh, God, why am I doing the vocal fry? But that's the
2: great thing about listening to our own show is when you hear that, the more you hear it, the better you are at eliminating it. Yeah. I so, agree. well, hopefully. But no, I think what was hard for me was suddenly realizing that, and this actually hasn't gone away because it's popped up a few times where I got a little cranky because I felt really exposed. Mm. I was like, okay, I am saying what I really think out loud to a bunch of people. And that is really scary. And it's come out. It came out right before launch. I was like, is this going to be good? (laughs) You know, because at the end of the day, we do actually care.
0: Yeah.
2: And even at one point, There was some clip and I was like, Katie, like, I
0: sound crazy. And then I was like, Margaret, you need to be crazy too. (laughs) (laughs) You're bullying me to be, you're like, can you just be a little crazier? (laughs) No. The personas,
2: which I think work really well are, I always say that I'm sort of just exploding about something and you come on. So what this means is... And like you distill it into something that someone can actually absorb and then action on.
0: But that it's makes a, me it's really a coping mechanism. Constant diagnosis is a co- is a coping mechanism of mine. I look at like whatever is happening and I try to distill it into something that, yeah, it's a, it's useful. Well, as all coping mechanisms are, but it is in fact something that I've identified as useful until it's not. I did spend the first couple of episodes just being worried.
2: That people were going to yell at me. That you were going to be too much. I always worry that my whole life. Yeah. So This happened yesterday, which is why I keep bringing it up. (laughs) We get
0: it. You went to a summit. (laughs) No, it's so annoying. But not a
2: single person on the panel, like, they didn't agree with me. Yeah. They did on certain things. At one point, I think every single one of the people on the panel were like, I don't agree with you. And I love that. Because that makes me feel like, that's why I came to New York from Boston. Yeah. I left Boston because everybody looked at me like I was too much. I needed to bring my personality down. I came to New York and they're like, you're so cute. And that's how I felt on that panel. Like you're so normal. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's
2: like, no, on that panel. It's like, we were all talking as equals. And thus I didn't feel like I was bulldozing the room.
0: Mm-hmm. If I was going to wrap this into a pretty little bow, as I like to do, (laughs) I think the part of that is like, if you can niche down, create for yourself without the other expectations, you create a pure version of the thing or pure version of the message or pure version in this this regard of you and us and our conversation and the banter and the chemistry and the whole thing. And pure versions are authentic and authenticity resonates. And so it's like by the very nature of trying to, and actually I heard this from Brene Brown the other day, the opposite of belonging is fitting in. Because if you're fitting in, you're tampering parts of yourself that don't work in the situation, and belonging is this idea of feeling that you can be yourself and still be accepted and nurtured in love. And I thought that was a really interesting distinction, especially with the competing viewpoints of what does the business need? What does the audience need? You eventually turn into fitting in yep. rather than creating something that is, is truly authentic.
2: And this is my problem with playbooks.
0: Yeah. It's fitting in.
2: Exactly. Or remember when everybody wanted to go viral, <laughs> So stupid,
0: and they'd come up with these ways to go viral. I want right? to go I viral wanna... by doing a flash mob. Oh my god, flash mobs—they're coming back. I saw really? a fa- like I saw something about a flash mob the other day. I think I that they're going to come back. I love seeing that You network. Heard it here first. Prediction: 2023 prediction. My soulful health prediction is that flash mobs are on their flash way back. Coming back. The reason why you can't go viral, or why it's
2: difficult to go viral intentionally. If your intent is to go viral, is that it removes that authenticity, which is what makes you unique, which is ultimately
0: why a thing goes viral is because one component of it is that it's not something you've never seen before. Something you've never seen but resonates to the point where somebody wants to share it with their network because they're like, oh, this person's going to feel that way. That person's going to feel this way. This person's going to feel the same way. So there's like both aspects of it. It's like the, the newness, the creativity, but also the feeling like, oh, I need to share this with somebody because it's exactly how the two of us feel, right? Yeah. Or it's like
2: built in like those uh, challenges, the ice bucket challenge and all yeah. of that.
0: And that was
2: what the two-way street of authentic creation is that it does add something that new to the world mm-hmm. but also you experience the belonging that you're talking about because what the where the belonging or at least for me the belonging started with myself yeah that's the, the hardest person for me to ever feel at home with has always been myself
0: of
1: course
2: And this really made me feel at home and start to accept myself. Now, that goes in and out in the fear moments, but and the way we've seen that translate into more positivity is that now all of a sudden people are reaching out to us already saying, Hey, can you create something for my brand? Hey, can you do this? You know, we can't talk about any of it yet, but. Yeah, It happened – I thought we would be, like, trying to make this thing for a year. Yeah. Pitching it out. And it took no time. And I think what's really scary to people and why they lean on these playbooks and why working at a company is so safe is because there's a path in front of you already. Yeah. But when you actually do something that you've never done before – and you don't follow a path, there's nothing. You are creating a net new thing. It is really fucking scary. Yeah. And unsettling and makes you feel self-conscious. That is the true risk. I think people think they're taking risks and they're absolutely not because a real risk makes you feel kind of bad in
0: the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you feel too good taking the risk, you probably should have taken it before.
1: And now a reading from Soulful Wealth Futurist Astrologer, Jennifer Hirsch. Hi, I'm Jen Hirsch, a 20-year futurist, including four years serving as Ernst Young's Global Head of Startups and futurist. My specific specialty has always been the intersection of technology, innovation, regulation, and kind of metaphysics. So I'm still going to throw in a bit of astrology here and there for those who follow along. So we've seen a huge movement over the past two and a half years to redefine tribal values. So parties, whether that's internet communities or governmental parties around the globe or certain ideologies or the crypto movement, there we've seen the formation of tribes that espouse certain values. And the communications within these tribes all look a certain way. Now that's about to dramatically shift into a more individual relationship to yourself so while we've seen the tribes so what you're saying earlier Devin, while we had this off about like the end of websites and the end of communications like part of that is very true over the next two and a half to three years we're going to see it being very very intimate in our communications like to keep who we're communicating with really small companies that can develop that intimacy as a brand, whether you're an influencer creating that intimacy or a brand creating that intimacy will survive the next three years. But if you can't do that, you're screwed.
2: So you're saying that don't say content is on the right Obviously, track why would I be a part of it like,
1: if I didn't think it was or, the future? i like, so
2: we're talking to hardly anyone and we think exactly. it's
1: fine. Because you're trusting that through the relationship of you and Margaret and the relationship to me, that the people who want to relate to us in this way will be found.
2: And we're seeing that already. We had our first numbers review and just looking at the sheer volume and going through the companies, the brands. Oh, oh, that's my friend. So-and-so. Oh, that's my friend. We recognized so many of them. I can totally see
1: that. Okay, cool. The next major trend is kind of a shift from hierarchy to shift of like networks. And this all has to do with the Pluto generational shift. We have 43 years of Pluto and Capricorn. And we're about to move to 43 years of Pluto and Aquarius. As I talked about a few days ago, the final degree of Pluto and Capricorn is why we're seeing all these bank failures. So 2008, when it first entered into this degree, was when we saw the huge 2008 financial crisis, right? And we've got until about 2025, till it ends completely, But until that time, we're seeing a shift in hierarchical communications to more like network and diverse communications. And I always use crypto as a great example of this because crypto is a lot of people on Discord and Twitter communicating about the value of thing. So there's no one person. It's decentralized, right? The whole thing about crypto is how decentralized it is. And so that's another form of communication. So we used to have command control communication or hierarchical communication, and now we're going to have more of a network communication. So again, to bring it back to don't say content, like having that community and ecosystem you've built who's amplifying your voice really matters. In the Capricorn thing, we are very transactional. We think about what we get. And of course, as human beings, like we we do always want to know what's in it for me. But Aquarius is more about is the ideal of this community representative of my own? Does like what this accomplishments have in line with what my ideals or accomplishments are for myself?
2: When I think about another form of hierarchical communication, it's things like brand guidelines. And I was working with a client recently using some of their brand guidelines, but they were so like, if you didn't carbon copy, like there wasn't enough, range. There was no flexibility. Visually to me, it didn't even represent the brand because it was so so rigid.
1: Yes. So we're going to move from a lot of rigidity, like a lot of this is how it has to be. And this is where we're going to like, does the form match our goals? We're going to be goal oriented, but not as rigid. Whereas before you had to be like, no, the brand guidelines are sacred. We can never deviate from them no matter what we're using it for versus like a, okay, if we wanted to do this campaign or use this medium or use this channel, then like we do have to adapt it somewhat. You have to know what of what you created is essential to bring forward, but what can you discard? There is going to be some shift as, as we always shift in energies. Some things must be discarded in order to have greater survivability in the future and relevancy. Yeah. Yeah. So As Pluto shifts into Aquarius, like we're just at the beginning of what we're going to see from, sometimes I say the robot overlords, but I don't think they're going to be overlords. I just think that there is so much room for innovation and so much room for new forms of communication, new ways of communicating that like, we're just at the beginning. Like over the next year, like one of the things I have on like starting now is to keep an eye out for like what seeds are being planted in communications, like what new forms, what new products. Right now is a really good time if you are a entrepreneur or creative to think about how tech can be greater used in your communications. I've seen everything from artists relying more on avatars to like digital twins becoming real to people using a host of connected AI services to scale a team of one. One thing I've seen from a VC I follow is the future is all going to be about one to three person million dollar companies. And that is very emblematic of the Capricorn to Aquarian shift, whereas Capricorn is like, no, they must be my employees. And Aquarius is like, no, I'm okay to have like a bunch of freelancers and we come together as we need to. And like we're more fluid in like the way that we are coming together and going apart. There's a lot more freedom, yeah. shall we say? Can be. We have to choose our freedom.
2: Is there a theme? But is there like one sort of like one ever present trend in communication? I mean, I know you just talked about it, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not asking a good question. I'm thinking, like, what's the feeling?
1: Well, you just told me is this like feeling? before the camera started going, which is everyone wants to be heard and everyone wants to be met with kindness and grace. It's interesting as we move into this Aries Libra access of nodes, if you don't feel in relationship to a company, a person, a product, they're out. We will move after that into Pisces and Aquarius as a nodal shift. And that should feel, should, who knows, feel expansive and more loving and like, but it's going to feel really intimate and we're going to want to feel held and in relationship, even if it's just a product.
2: That is me right now. I just said that to Margaret on the podcast. I was like, I just need someone to take care of me. And I, when I say someone, it doesn't really mean like one person. But like I'm experiencing that in what I want to do professionally, even personally. I'm like, I just need to feel like I'm taking care of yeah. all the time right now. And if I'm not getting it, I'm reacting very poorly to that. I'm almost like going – I'd rather be alone – then feel like I'm not being taken so, care of right it, And
1: now. it's really interesting because one of the decisions I made with the tiny community I have at Soulful Wealth is how do I take care of people knowing that this thing is coming up? So like one of the things that I love the subscriber community we have there, and I feel like if people are subscribed that you like, you know, need to do a lot, give them a lot of love. So um, one of the things I've started doing is personalized mantra every solstice and equinox you know, they get a little like love note from me about like, hey, here's your big theme for your season ahead. Oh, I love that. All right. This is where our show ends. Thanks for tuning in. And if you like what we're doing here, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. This is the end of season one. So if you want more episodes, head back to the beginning. And if you want to stay connected, check out Devna and Margaret's LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. See you soon.
2: Oh, this was really funny. So Omniscient Digital, that that was the virtual summit I was on. I know David because he came to New York and we hung out. And now I know Alex. And there's a thread between the three of them. They're all the co-founders. And so, oh my God, Devin and Margaret's pod, they are going off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was episode one, right? Yeah, I think so. Episode one was a little going off. (laughs) Yeah, but that was on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Came out spicy.
2: You know, we just, like, want – it was, like, if we're going to go – because I think the thing about that, the one sort of, like, markety thing that we did, we wanted to come out swinging so we could set the tone immediately. It's almost, like, shock people into understanding what this is going to be about. And that was strategic.
0: Yeah.